I invite you to be seated. It is a long gospel reading <laughs> this morning. Uh, over, about over 30-some chapters to be exact. So um, this is the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not do things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, You have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came They were astonished that he was speaking with the woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. 
I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his, because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. We thank you, God, for the gift of the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the people we love. You provide everything for our daily living, for our sustenance, for our thriving. We pray now that you would nourish us in water, bread, wine, and juice by your word with those things that nourish our spirits and our souls, that receiving these things, we might never be hungry or thirsty again. Amen. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them like a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. How many water bottles do you have rattling around your house? It's kind of crazy that we have all these water bottles when I was a kid growing up, it was like two sips at the water fountain would do you for the whole day. But, uh, and just thinking about the children's time this week, I've been noticing water bottles everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Whether it's for health or hydration or as an accessory, they are ubiquitous. Seems to me that we're much more conscious of hydrating these days, at least from when I was growing up. We are more aware of how much water we should consume on a daily basis. You can use apps to track your progress. And the new thing I've been seeing lately is these tablets that claim to enhance water absorption and hydration. We are well aware, well schooled on aspects of hydration and physical thirst. But physical thirst is just one kind of thirst. Spiritual thirst is another. And that's what Jesus is talking about this morning as he talks to the woman at the well. A thirst that cannot be quenched no matter how much water we drink. It is a deeper thirst, a longing for love and hope, for acceptance and belonging, for connection and community, for mercy and grace, which are all ultimately longings for God. Yet these things feel in such short supply in the world right now while everyone longs for such things to slack our spiritual thirst, our world offers division and polarization, blame and fear, isolation and alienation, the very opposite of what we need and what we yearn for. Sometimes it feels as though we are being handed a fistful of sand rather than a cup of cold water. And it reminds me of when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, I thirst, and he was given a sponge full of vinegar. It feels like we are suffering from a kind of spiritual dehydration these days, the symptoms of which are fear and anger, hate and loneliness and suffering. We long for something more, something that will quench our thirst for good. Like the Israelites in the desert, we yearn for living waters to gush up out of the rock in a barren land. 
And one thing that Jesus could always do is recognize the thirst in people, the longings deep within. He saw it in Nicodemus in his desire to be born anew, and he recognizes it in the Samaritan woman at the well. But this was an encounter that was not supposed to happen. In fact, scholars tell us that this interaction between them violates two social conventions. First, a Jewish man did not initiate conversations with an unknown woman. Moreover, a Jewish teacher did not engage in public conversation with a woman. And second, Jews did not invite contact with Samaritans, for they were historic enemies. But here they two are. They have both wound up here at Jacob's well for different reasons. Jesus and the disciples are heading back home from the area around Jerusalem back to Galilee. And to do so, they must cross through Samaria. And he pauses at the well to rest and to drink, although he has no vessel to draw the water from, as the disciples go off to find provisions. And the Samaritan woman comes from her village to draw water. And what we learn of this woman is that she is a Samaritan, and that she has been married five times and is now with someone new. And because of this, she has been judged in the history of interpretation as a sinful woman, or worse. And yet scholars remind us that women in this time did not have the power to divorce their husbands. For example, in Jewish culture at the time, a married Jewish woman could only enter into a new marriage if the old one ended in death or her spouse gave her a bill of divorce. Or at that time, there was the practice of Leverite marriage, where a brother of a deceased man was obliged to marry his, mother, his brother's widow. And so a woman would be handed from brother to brother to brother. So this woman at the well may very well have experienced great loss in her life or rejection or possibly been handed down from brother to brother like property. This is a woman who had been through so much in her life and one might understand that she wanted to come to, her, to the well her, by herself at midday, not out of shame, but for solace and peace. In their exchange, the longest exchange between Jesus and anybody else in the Bible, Jesus offers her a quenching of her spiritual thirst that the world has not been able to offer her. He offers her living water. He offers it in himself as the embodiment of the love of God, the Messiah, who came not only to Israel, but to those who Israel marginalized and despised, like the Samaritans, who broke open the boundaries between the chosen people and rejected people, between male and female, between Samaritan and Jew. He offers it to her in his willingness to transgress cultural boundaries of his time to reach out to her. He offers it to her when he lets her know that she is seen and known and still loved, just as she is. And this is the water that quenches her thirst, her longing that washes over her loss and loneliness and pain. For it is at that moment that she gets up, leaves her water jug behind, and runs to the village to tell everybody else what Jesus has told her. And they invite Jesus and the disciples to stay in this Samaritan village for two more days, and they do. This story is like a microcosm of Jesus' whole ministry, what Jesus is all about. It echoes all the ways that Jesus reached out to others, how Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and made the Samaritan the surprising hero of that story, 
how women were part of his inner circle and helped lead and fund the mission, how Mary Magdalene was the first to proclaim the news of the resurrection, how Jesus sought and healed the sick and the outcasts, lepers and the like, how Jesus rejected all the geographical, tribal, religious, ethnic, and political ways that people had used to divide themselves and differentiate themselves and brought God's love to everyone. How can we share the living waters that we ourselves have received? Like Jesus, we can reach out beyond the barriers that keep us apart. We can defy the social conventions of our time to connect with others. We can let people know that they are seen and known and loved as they are. Like carrying around a water bottle to quench our physical thirst, we can carry that living water of God's love with us in our hearts and minds, ready to share it in times of need, in times of want, in times of longing. We can take the time to offer a cup of cold water to someone else in the midst of an often unforgiving world. We can offer a taste of love and hope, acceptance and belonging, connection and community, mercy and grace. We can share the good news of God who loved us and died for us and rose again so that everyone might truly live. We can be a spring of living water gushing up in a barren land. As Jesus says in Matthew, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of the disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Amen.